This is the second half of Andy Gamer's podcast number 33, in which I talk with Mitchell Dyer and Daryl Surratt about the Mass Effect series. To find part one and other episodes of the Andy Gamer's podcast, visit podcast.andygamers.com. Also, we spoil some big stuff from Mass Effect 2 in this episode, so be prepared. Enjoy! So, moving on from that, uh, in Mass Effect 2, everything is better. Just, just everything. I'm going to uh, contest the, the you on that in a bit, is, but go ahead. I'll, I'll contest slightly. Okay, no, no, it, yep. it, it's not, it's, I don't know, I don't know about everything, but yeah, I'm, I'm uh, certainly exaggerating. But the combat is, I think the combat is certainly better than, uh, than the first because game. Because it's actually combat, it's not a matter of like, okay, I'm hiding behind cover. Now, right. if I pop over here and start shooting my pistol, am I going to hit that guy? Even if it's like, he's pretty close, I have my thing lined up right on his face, and it's going to miss. In Mass Effect 2, it's more... It feels more... Jesus Christ, I just punched my mic. In Mass Effect 2, it feels more like an actual shooter than an RPG. Because when you shoot something, it goes to where your crosshair is. And that's uh, both a good thing and a bad thing, that they've made Mass Effect 2 more like a shooter than an RPG. That's another uh, thing we'll get into in a minute. But, like, I do agree that the combat is much better in Mass Effect 2 than the original Mass Effect. Not only do you have uh, a limited ammunition with clips and such, which is different from the first game where everything just um you fire it until it runs the risk of overheating so now it's like you actually have to give consideration to like do i take this shot do i just fire like here no you have to pick your shots a little better uh you have to reload in the middle of the fight and it's not like that annoying necessarily but also when you use a power all your powers cool down at the same time so you know it, it now becomes a choice of what power do I use when? Do I use this, knowing that I have to deal with the cooldown for it? Or do I use that instead? In the first Mass Effect, you just fire off every single power because they each right. recharge at their own rate. They compensate pretty well, though, because in the first one, it was like, okay, I'm going to lift him and then I'm going to push him. And that's going to give me the enough juice to like, you know, throw him off the edge or whatever. But in this one, when you lift somebody, you yeah. fucking lift them. They fly upward. They don't just like levitate a little bit like your powers have actual impact and, li- and lift has a really good cooldown time too so so they'll still be in the air by the time lift cools down and then you can and once use, you upgrade it you uh, can start push. lifting more and more people at a time like you can lift three or four guys at a time by the end of the game and and what i thought was brilliant is uh there's that little there's the gray circle that's uh it's, it's into two halves and it moves in toward the center toward your uh, your crosshair and when it when it reaches the center that means that all of your powers have recharged. So you don't need to be watching this wheel. You're just, you're looking there anyway because you're shooting things and you're like, okay, it's ready. And then if you have a hotkey, you just hit the the power again and you kind of, it keeps you in the action and you don't have to be sitting there waiting for things and, and pausing the game constantly to go into the power wheel. And also, the it's got a very, um, kind of like a rock, paper, scissors system almost where you've got four different types of, of uh, things to hit on enemies, I think. You've got health, shields, armor, and uh, biotic barriers. And different powers will be useful on different things. And on your wheel, it'll tell you what's useful against what. So you've got to bring different team members and combine these powers in certain ways. So you're like, okay, I'll use overload to beat the shield. And then I'll use like the incinerate, which is like a fireball to hit the armor. And then I'll use a biotic power to hit the health. Yeah, definitely all, all that uh, works much, much better in Mass Effect 2 over the original Mass Effect. There was a lot of, you know, looking back on Mass Effect 1, once you start playing Mass Effect 2, you realize a lot of your time, like for me anyway, the most time was spent driving that goddamn Mako on planets. Oh, God. (laughs) Now, the problem with the Mako, it was basically similar to like the Warthog from Halo. It was this sort of uh, APC uh, buggy thing that you'd fly around on planets. But it handled like the buggy from Half-Life. It was off on a right. joystick. And, and, and it's worse, man. I guarantee you, it's worse on a stick. Yeah. The main problem was that Bioware they put all these planets for you to land on and explore, but they were all height mapped, and so the there were limits to how much you could drive over, how quickly you could handle things, and it was really problematic, and it sucked. Once they brought out the first DLC, um, which was called you know Bring Down the Sky, it was like, oh no, asteroid headed towards planet. And it'll kill everyone on the planet unless you get there now. But, you know, the timer doesn't start till you get there. Um, they really had figured out how to actually make a good map with the Mako. Such that, you know, oh, 
the problem wasn't the Mako itself. The problem was these stupid planets that they designed for it. Come Mass Effect 2, I, I guess they just took out the Mako entirely and replaced it with uh, a thing called the Hammerhead, which is, which pure, is optional. Yeah, it's, it's purely DLC. optional. It's yeah. only in DLC. And so I know a lot of people lamented, like, oh, now you can't go and explore every single planet and do stuff. And while that was neat, I kind of, if they had made like a series of planets that were more like that DLC uh, asteroid as opposed to what we got in Mass Effect 1, I think people would have hated it less. But it's a, a dramatic simplification, and in place of it, instead of going from planet to planet, driving around and uh, finding things, you now scan planets and probe them for you know resources, which uh, is also tedious, but you also don't have to do very much of it. Especially on a second playthrough, I found, because I, I didn't actually realize this until I started the second playthrough, but uh, I got all, I got like all of the minerals I had from my first playthrough in the second one, so I actually don't have to do very much scanning. I started off with a ton of minerals, and that speeds up the game a lot, and you don't have to stop and you know look at all these different planets and buy all these probes and everything. Right, and I actually thought that was sort of um, detrimental, because now... I didn't know I no longer had that incentive to go to every planet and read up the history of it because there's there's no like little fetch quest stuff for you to get now. Once you have everything you, and you can very quickly get all the minerals and resources you need, there's no reason to do anything unless there's a mission there. Yeah, and I was actually very disappointed to find that there was no uh, achievement for uh, finding all the planets. So I got like I forget if I got all of them or I just looked to see if there was an achievement and uh, they, there's nothing. If you get a hundred percent in all the systems and you 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 know visit every planet, you don't get anything. So there's not even an incentive for that. The only incentive was just to read those descriptions, which I actually wait. Hang did on, no, there are the lot. anomaly missions, which are pretty cool. Yeah, like, yeah, there, yeah. There are too few of them. I'll I'll admit, but yeah, they're there. But I think. And then, and they actually have plots to them, and you're kind of, you know, like, taken down. Right, they're kind of like little side stories. But they yeah. usually tell you. They usually tell you this planet is one that has something on there. Yeah, they tell you as soon as that you, you know there's going to be an anomaly. Yeah, as soon as you load it up, it says right. Sometimes you can find just a random one when you're going around looking for minerals, which was kind of a cool surprise. At first, yeah, I thought that that was neat. And I would have liked there to be much more of those than there actually were. Because, like you said, they were interesting. Like, oh, I found, like, a, a crash site. Or, oh, I found, like, a secret yeah. smuggling base or something like oh, that. Oh, I found the crash to and Normandy. Holy shit. Like, that was a... Did you play that? That yeah. was awesome. I I did play that. because I did. It was very, very simple. I mean... Yeah, it was basically it was, just I, a fetch quest. Yeah, like, blow me away. Right, yeah. there was no combat in it or anything. It was more just, like, you look around, and for those who played the first game, you know, okay... Here's the original ship, and you know they give you little flashbacks like, oh wow, this was where this was because you'd always be running around your ship, and now it's all wrecked, and the Mako's wrecked, and it's like, oh come on, the Mako is indestructible, you know. <laughs> but there it is in a, in a heap. The Normandy mission was actually um, a DLC that was given away for free, Part of which is sort of if you bought a new game, right? It's right. sort of their way of saying, okay, uh, here's the incentive to not buy games used if you buy them new will give you this DLC that would otherwise be free, and a lot of it's the best DLC in the game. Uh, for Mass Effect 1, there were two DLCs, and one of them sucked, and one of them was like, okay, acceptable. For Mass Effect 2, um, Electronic Arts, I guess, was the publisher this time, and they went crazy with the DLC. Um, a lot of it is pretty insubstantial, just like, you know, a new piece of armor that you'd never bother to wear because you can't customize it or like some new weapons but some of them were really really good and new characters the were, that was just the coolest thing yeah the best character in the game is one of the free dlcs that you get and then the Zaid. yeah zaid masani <laughs> he is basically the hunter from jurassic park um you know the clever girl um that guy and he just does not care about anything and he is He's hilarious on a mission, one of my favorites that's all he cares about yeah He's voiced by Robin Sachs, and every single line reading he does is perfect. Like, you walk into a room, and there's, like, a, a sea of, like, charred corpses piled on top of each other. And, like, everyone will have their unique reaction to it. But his will just be like, the fuck were they doing in here? <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a, uh, an awesome British accent, too. 
Uh, I just did his loyalty mission in my second playthrough with uh, a female shepherd, and I was doing uh, I was doing Paragon. So like the first time I played it, there were these uh, you know there were these these people who are like, oh no, the building's burning down. You, you know, you should save us. And I was yeah, it's a fire that Zaid started himself. Yep. Yeah. I, I was renegade the first time, so I was like, ah, whatever, we'll leave them behind. But I played Paragon this time, so when Zaid started the fire, like, I, I did, like, one of these little uh, interruptions. You can press a trigger and do some kind of, uh, you can interrupt someone and, and kind of confront them about something. So, like, Shepard, like, punched him and stuff and was like, why'd you do that? You endangered us. And then, like, got in a whole bunch of arguments with him, and I, like, I was thinking, like, this is a DLC character. This is an add-on to the game. But he had, like, this really kind of, this really good... Uh, interaction with Shepard going on where they were arguing and he was like, why'd you let the guy get away? And he was like pointing the gun at Shepard and it was, I was very surprised to find an add-on having that much depth Yeah, I think there the are three or four yeah, ways I, that pack can end. That's right, there right. is. I, I looked through all of them. Um, basically, the best feature of Mass Effect 2 is that you can, this is almost a first in gaming, is you carry over your character from the original Mass mm. Effect into Mass Effect 2, and it actually influences how the game is in more ways than one. Some are substantial, and some are just like little things you hear on the intercom or emails you get or something, but it really makes it feel more like a, a true trilogy where your actions matter. And in the case of this particular mission, um, it can play any number of ways. One way it can play out is the character can actually die. I, what? I didn't um, know that. Zaid? You can leave him there to die. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw that option. I mean, there are a, a variety of things. In the original Mass Effect, there were only one or two like major choices. Like, okay, you're getting to a disagreement with one of your party yeah. members, and you can either talk him down or kill him or have someone else kill him. And then there's a point where you're forced to choose, like, okay, somebody has to die here. And you choose one person or the other. And so those were like big deal moments and then there was a portion at the end of the game where it's like okay do you let these people die or do you let them live and these choices are the major ones that carry into the first mass effect mass effect 2 there's a lot of choices like that and most of them are pretty substantial i would say because they affect presumably like we have no idea what's going to happen in mass effect 3 yeah but but there are, there are a lot of Big decisions, and I also, I really liked a lot of the, the smaller ones that I'm like, like, I felt like they could have a lot of personal consequences, but not really affect the, the fate of the galaxy or anything. Right, and I think the only known decision like that that we know at this time is definitely going to play into Mass Effect 3 is, uh, again, with the romances. You've got uh, different romance options in Mass Effect 2, um, and if you choose one, that's going to have some consequences in Mass Effect 3 because, you know, your love interest, regardless of who you picked in the first one, um, for plot reasons, is not part of your party anymore. Such that, you know, if you hook up with someone else, they'll probably see that as, like, you know, you two-timing bastard. Which is ridiculous because Ashley's you know, on the planet and you're like, join us. She's like, fuck you. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, or, or, what's or the Kaden, deal? As the case may be, depending on which one survived... Right. Uh, the original Mass Effect, you know, it's either uh, Ashley or Caden, and Caden is basically um, the most boringest, bland RP character. I mean, Easily. yeah, RPG NPC. He's basically. I, I kept him alive my second playthrough because I was, you know, trying out getting uh, in a relationship with the female Shepherd with him. Yeah, he's actually not. He's not terrible because uh, there are times when he, uh, when you're in a party with him and Ashley, and I actually found him kind of funny because uh, he's he's kind of awkward, which you don't really get if you're if you don't play with him enough. And he, like Ashley's his foil sometimes if you bring them along. So he'll say something like really obvious, and she'll kind of like poke fun at him for saying it, which I thought there was a funny dynamic there between them. Caden actually fits in with a stock Bioware NPC archetype, which is the whiny bitch. <laughs> In Knights of the Old Republic, <laughs> there was a whiny. character named Karth who has the same voice actor as Caden, and all he does <laughs> is whine and complain. When you take Caden with you in Mass Effect 1, his unique dialogue options are always him complaining about something. It's like, it's too cold in here. You know, that fountain's kind of oh, whatever, whatever. It's like, I'm shut sad. up, Caden. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and it means that someone out there likes this character archetype, so... 
I uh, I would usually always leave him. There are very few male yeah, shepherds. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, um, a couple of people who, you know, you can't even find the option on YouTube where someone played as a male shepherd and choose to let Caden live. But, you know, there is a unique uh, dialogue that results from this. But, yeah, the, the romances in Mass Effect, there are more for you to choose from. Usually, whether you're male or female, you've got um, three choices, at least, or none of the above if you choose to, like, stay faithful. Um, and they're less wretched, but they're still Bioware romances at the end of the day. Um, I, I think that that's, like, a thing that they did a lot better in Mass Effect 2. You had way more party members to choose from than yeah. the original Mass Effect. And Which is good for a number of things, not just com like it's good for relationships, for combat, for everything. You just have so much more variety. And you mentioned that in the first Mass Effect, there were these sort of quasi loyalty missions. Like uh, you talk to someone long enough and they say like, oh, yeah, there's something in my past that I want to tie up. And there were only about two of them in the first I Mass think it was Effect. Rex and Garrus. Yeah, that's it. They're the only ones in Mass Effect 2. Every character has a mission like that, and they can affect uh, how you um, – it, it substantially affects the ending of the game if you do these things or not. Um, also, two characters may not get along, and you might have to choose between one or the other, and they can lose loyalty. But that never happened to me because um, if you have enough uh, Paragon or Renegade points, can you, you can yeah. keep both nope, of them. Nope. Okay. But I actually, I actually failed to do that uh, when Jack and Miranda fought, and uh, I, I chose Jack, of course, because nobody likes Miranda, right? Do people like yeah, Miranda I do. here. What I, up? I, given the choice what? between Jack and Miranda, Jack is the worst party yeah, member. Yeah, totally. Because I don't really, like her. she's useless in a fight. She's got horrible tattoos, huh. which automatically means like I am so not having sex with you, Jack. <laughs> um, Wears the most ridiculous outfit, and her romance is the most awkward oh, it's romance. Brutal. Between... Her romance is very Especially bad. Especially the I renegade. Will admit that. Like, because yeah. a renegade and a paragon romance. Yeah. And they're both incredibly awkward. Like the romantic one is yeah, completely like... out of character for her. Like you seduce her, and it's like really you you make love. Yeah. And then you cuddle, which is like okay, that's not like her at all. Yeah. But the renegade one is just like this hate fucking, and it's ri ridiculous. Right. I was trying to not be nice to Jack. Like I'm like, okay, I don't like your freaking body covered tattoos and your leather strap top that you don't even need to be wearing because you're wearing clothes you're just choosing not to like put them on so i just be mean to her and then she'd react like you know we were falling in love and it's like no no stop it but um there's really well, that, only that's the that, that's the thing about about the, the bioware romances they assume that if you're talking to someone regardless of what you're saying to them that that means you're in love yeah and that's uh an annoyance i mean of course there's for, for male shepherds, there's one true choice for romance in Mass Effect 2. And for female shepherds, there's one true choice uh, as well. And it's the people who carried over from the first game. <laughs> Tali and Garrus. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the Garrus romance, is, if, I strongly recommend you know people, if they play as female shepherds, to, to pursue that. Because it, it takes the, the failings of the Bioware romance system and makes them hilarious on purpose. Like, because Garrus is incredibly awkward and dumb. Yeah. And <laughs> it doesn't ever get a like read he, he, that you're hitting I, I've seen a video of it, actually. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's worth it. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked um, how every single party member in Mass Effect 2 has a specific use and is a very unique character with a very unique voice. Uh, I think Bioware excels at that in ways that pretty much no other company is doing right now other than maybe uh, Obsidian, which used to be uh, a lot of Bioware people or Black Isle Studios people. So I, I really liked the team. I mean, they, they all have so much personality and I really like, especially after doing all those loyalty missions, I ha felt like there was like a real connection with those characters. Whereas the first game, like, you know, when Rex, because I actually failed to to save Rex my first playthrough, when Rex died, I was like, "Wait, I barely talked to Rex. How far, did, you know, how far am I in this game?" And I tried to talk to him a couple times, but I felt like I just did. I barely had any time to get to know the character. But it's amazing that in Mass Effect Two, I managed to feel like I really got to know them all. But um, there are so much more of them. So I guess I think it was just I was more compelled to talk to them more often because there's a lot more i think they're more like interesting that. bunch of For characters me, uh, as well because like grunt is a genetically yeah. created like created from like cells or whatever just basic 
cloning technology or some shit, and he just yeah. grows into this beast that you let out of the cage, and he just tries to beat the shit out of you, and then you start, you know, taming him, kind of, and then going back to help him out. Or he's, not, he's very, as the like, case may be. Like, yeah, he's kind of, like, very intelligent, and I like that. He was kind of this reasoned Krogan, where he's, he's got all this this kind of pent-up rage built into right. him as a Krogan. But he doesn't understand he it. analyzes it objectively. Right. Uh, and Morden, Morden Solis. Morden Solis is characters. one of the best characters in the entire yeah. game um, because he's just this hilarious scientist who you think is talks like very fast. Talks very fast. You think he's like supposed to be like this sort of Nazi scientist who's crazy, but he's actually like the most interesting moral discussions in the entire yeah, game yeah. are discussions you have with Morden. Um, and I think. To he's his, also very funny. He's yeah, he's, he's one of the funniest Everything characters in the entire game. Yeah. I don't want to give it away, but yeah, like um, he's every single line he has is is great. I thought his loyalty mission was really good, uh, one of yeah, the better of the ones. Best. And so I think of all the characters, he's one of my favorite new additions, along with Zaid. Um, they're probably some of the best guys. I, I would say, like even the lamest character in mass effect 2 i'm speaking of course of jacob is not <laughs> actively okay. offensive yeah he's okay he's like all right you're not like tremendously annoying i'm the more i look at your face the more i wonder it's like is it His racist is, weird. is it racist how big your lip is <laughs> just that one or not like and i don't know um I gotta say, it was cool by the end of the game that uh, my male shepherd and Jacob would that like, was throw hilarious. hugs every time they talk. Yes, I, I like that a lot. <laughs> I thought that was good as well. But yeah, I mean, um, the the idea of Mass Effect Two is the entire game is built around recruiting the team, getting the team on your side, and then going off and doing one last one big mission like that heist. you know you have to do it's from the beginning of the game. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Right, pretty much. That's the structure of the game. And so uh, mm. a lot of people told me, it's like, oh, Mass Effect 2 is way shorter, and they took out everything from Mass Effect 1. I didn't have that uh, experience. I think I spent as much, if not more time, yeah, I spent more time on Mass Effect 2 than I did in the first Mass Effect. And The, the thing about that, it, it might have less content, but the content was so much more compelling. I was more motivated to, to seek it out in Mass Effect 2 than I was in the first game. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. I think most of the time spent playing Mass Effect One was driving that Mako around, and whereas most mm. of the time spent on Mass Effect Two is doing missions and having conversations, which are the strongest part uh, of the game, especially the NPC interactions. And now the mission part, the combat part, is so much better. The overall game is uh, a better one. But like I said, it there doesn't mean you don't play Mass Effect One. It just means that Mass Effect Two is pretty much better in all the ways that count actually that's a good question to ask you guys uh daryl you clearly say people should uh play both mitchy uh do you would you agree i, I that... do i do agree you should play both which is kind of a concern for me for playstation 3 users who as of recent news are going to yeah. be getting mass effect 2 great news but I really feel like if you don't know the first game's story, you're losing out on a lot, especially when it comes to those characters and the the politics of the world. And despite Bioware saying, oh, well, we're going to have a nice wrap-up so you can ease your way into the story. Yeah. That's not what you need out of Mass Effect. You don't need a summary. You need to experience it because it's just too much. You can't summarize all that shit. Yeah, the way I see it, it's like PlayStation 3 games are Blu-rays. It would be great if they could just throw Mass Effect 1 onto the Blu-ray. Put both of them yeah. on there, but I think there's some deal where it's like Microsoft actually paid money for a Mass Effect be uh, made. Yeah, Microsoft published the first Mass Effect, so they can't. I assume what they'll do is just have like a cinematic um, with highlights from the first game. Yeah, maybe that, you can choose. You see, like it's it, it's not about the facts of what happened in Mass Effect. Like for right, for it's, me, it's the, the world the building thing. Is right, and that cannot did. carry over into it's, two it's anymore. It's not that you need to personally experience it, it's that you need to do those things so that you can feel the consequences of making that choice. Right, like, who's going to be your game. romance? Because in the mm. third game, there are going to be so many choices compounded where you've got, like, you made all these different decisions about different things, and hopefully they'll bring them all together in really nice ways in, uh, in the third game. But I, I feel like, you know, by the time I had gotten through Mass Effect 2, I really felt a connection to, to Shepard to the point where when I saw somebody else playing the game, like, 
because I I've only played two two shepherds, one male, one female. So by the time I was done and watched other people play, I you know I'd hear the shepherd voice and be like, that's just wrong. You know that's not my shepherd. That's not what he said. Because you get this. Because if you keep the same face and the same alignment, I feel that, and you actually like get into it. I feel like you can really make a connection and really feel that you're playing a coherent character who you you know you want to see what happens to him you want to see what he does in the third game and without the, the first game like you're just playing this kind of standalone thing and i don't think you get that kind of uh deep experience from it yeah i think that's actually worth pointing out that you can actually customize your appearance and all the promotional art mm. shepherd always looks the same but you can alex rodriguez yeah you can basically uh yeah sam worthington but yeah you can basically uh <laughs> customize your appearance i tried to make him look like me but it went horribly wrong, no <laughs> and I ended up looking like Barack Obama. And so I just like, I'm going to run with it, because Barack Obama's Secret Service code name is Renegade. And so, all right, I'm Space President Obama, and I'm going to act accordingly how I think Obama <laughs> in space should behave. And, but yeah, I mean, I kept the face um, from 1 to 2 when you import your character, um, and that helps you build a connection. As far as decisions, I spoke with a guy who made like a sort of save game editor. He was able to figure out what the major things that carried over were based on what gets read during the import process. But he said it's pretty much impossible to get all of them because there are 10,000 flags that get wow. set based on decisions in your Mass Effect 1 save Jesus. alone. And there are so many more um, and more substantial oh choices in 2. It's going to be nuts to see how yeah. we carry over to 3. And how Bioware deals Yeah, and I just want to... Right. It's it, actually. We don't I, even I was know. talking with somebody about the how the choices in Mass Effect Two could affect Three, and they pointed out um, they're in two loyalty missions uh, for for Tali and Legion. Uh, your two decisions there could potentially affect like the entire <laughs> start a war. Of yeah, depending on how they interact, it could, it could affect. Yeah, like. If the Geth are destroyed, or if the Quarians are destroyed, or if it's mutual destruction, or, like those two loyalty missions are so important. Morton's loyalty mission as well, because you know you've oh, yeah. got data that yeah. could potentially give you a whole army. I mean, we don't know. Or could or could kill. I mean, I, I forget what the exact consequences are, but there are like three or four different ways of dealing with that right. data. That and I, I remember looking at it and being like. Whoa, I mean, I'm essentially holding in my hands, like, the fate of the Krogan race. Right, but Morton's like, eh, it's over there in the back, I'm not worried He's about so it He's so right nonchalant now. about yeah, the entire and, thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, genocide? No biggie. And it's like, dude, don't you realize you're about to die? I mean, you know, he's always going on about, like, you know, the average age of a Salarian is 40, he's 50, so, I mean, it's it's doubtful. Oh, I didn't, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's huh. it's doubtful that we'll be even seeing Morton in the next too. game. Uh, another, yeah, another of your characters, he says he's yeah, only Thane. got like less than a year to live, but you know, maybe, um, someone else is going to take his place. His son maybe, maybe not. Would be pretty cool. Um, his son is oh, voiced man. by Quentin <laughs> Flynn and has that whiny Sounds rating like from Metal Gear Solid 2 <laughs> Quentin Flynn voice. And so I, I would not welcome that necessarily unless he changed up his line delivery. But here's an interesting thing about Mass Effect 2. Every single member of your party can die on that last Including mission. You. you can even die on that last mission. Um, right. Of course, your save won't carry over if you die. But like everybody's Which is unfortunate because you should be able to play as Garrus. You should be, you in sh the should be able to play as die. Joker. Um, <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> yes, because the only person yes. guaranteed to survive, regardless of your options, is is Joker, Seth Green. How the fuck did he get all those bodies under the, the body bags if Shepard dies? Like that would break his bones. I don't know. That would kill him. Yeah, he's he's basically like Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. But um, <laughs> people really want to see Joker as a love interest for Mass Effect Three, or as an NPC playable or a party member. Um. I don't know. Yeah. Seth Green, actually, he was kind of ridiculous in the first one, but in the second one, I thought he was um, had a lot better grasp on the character. Yeah, totally. Uh, did a lot better well, job. Him, him and, uh, and Edie, who's a great character, I thought the, uh, yeah, the, the artificial intelligence. The, the talking the vagina. They have, <laughs> <Yeah. such> a, <laughs> they have such a good, uh, such a good like, set of lines between them when you go up to the cockpit and you, yeah, you, like, yeah. you said rapport, Mitch, because that's probably the best word for it. Yeah, so you go up to the cockpit and you talk to them, and they're always kind of bickering. And and Edie can be because she's an artificial intelligence, which means she's like got the full capacities of a of an actual intelligence, unlike a virtual intelligence, which is kind of just a glorified operating system. So she can actually get a little petty and and play tricks on Joker, and she makes a joke at a certain point that is uh 
pretty fantastic. There are a couple of pretty fantastic jokes in Mass Effect 2. And that's what I really thought the achievement of the game was, is that they, they by playing Mass Effect 1 and giving you, like, this sense of the world building, it's like, okay, here it is. Once Mass Effect 2 starts, now you can really get more into character stories because the other stuff, it's like given. Okay, you know the story with this, so we don't need to dwell on it too much. Let's go deeper and explore, like, the notion of, like, okay, we know that AIs are capable of this, but let's actually do something with it now. Because, you know, there are tons of things that you can't really get into in the first game just for time. Like, the Geth alone are something mm. that in the first game you're told are this weird Zerg-like uh, robot sentient menace that's like taking over a huge portion of the galaxy. The main villain of the game, by allying himself with these guys, are, there's going to be some trouble with it. In the second game, you get to learn aspects of the Geth that you never would have even thought feasible in the first game. And I really thought that, oh, wow, this you know faceless enemy actually is pretty interesting and complicated and you know that's why i would say you should you need to play mass effect before mass effect 2 even though you don't have to because you'll miss out on tons of stuff like that when they refer back to past events um particularly one particular character uh ties into some things that you did in the first game that if you just played mass effect 2 it you wouldn't understand why they're answering the way they do. I'm really worried about how they approach that in Mass Effect 2 on PS3 as well, because there is a moment after you're recovered and you're yeah. on like a some kind of ship, and Jacob is rifling off questions like, "Hey, uh, do you remember who you picked for the council? By the way, <laughs> like, which guy did? Which decision did you make at the end of the first game?" Is basically what it amounts to. Those were actually those were actually done because um, the when you import your character over, those are the only two things that it can't import over due to the way like the autosave checkpoint is. That's what I is. suspected, yeah. Because I, I went back and replayed the end of the first game and I was like, wait, it doesn't save right. after I made the choice of who takes over on the council. And so that's what, that's what I thought. So it actually, right. you're so just telling what it. I'm, like it's not So it's I'm wondering if on the PS3 there. version... If, but you're not going to know who yeah, they exactly. are. It's going to ask you this and you're going to be like, Yeah, who? exactly. So I'm wondering if maybe that's where they're going to do the then flashbacks. there should be a question. It should if just it's be like, Anderson. Oh, do you right. remember... They should just play a video and say, this one is Keith David. Yeah, this is who you selected because he is Keith <laughs> <laughs> uh, But uh, I just remembered one of my, one of my favorite scenes uh, just because of its subtlety that also kind of ties into that, that you kind of it helps to know the world already because it, it just kind of throws you this little hint uh, is when, because they introduce every character, I think, to Edie when you when they first get on the ship. When Tali gets on the ship and then Jacob's like, oh, Tali, introduce yourself to the uh, artificial to the intelligence on board AI. And she, she turns around and just, see, she's got the glass over her face so you don't see anything, but she just looks yep. and just walks away. And I was like, wow, that was like well done. <laughs> Because I could just tell, like, oh, snap, you just got Tali really, really angry. And if you if you hadn't played the first one, you wouldn't understand that there is this, like, long, yeah. long right. ongo ongoing thing yeah. History. between yeah. the Geth and the Quarians. Or AI in general and the Quarians, because yeah. AI research is outlawed and forbidden because you of the Quarians. You also don't understand why it's a big and deal. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the Quarians in general, but when you go to the flotilla, it's like, holy mm. shit. Are they space I'm gypsies or space Israelis? I say space uh, gypsies. See, I was going to say Israelis. Space Israelis is generally mm. the one people go with because a lot of them have like the sort of uh, accent <laughs> yeah. to them. I just said they were gypsies because right. they, they go they from are place mobile. to place and wreck everything, and everyone assumes that they're criminals. Anyway, yeah, so when you get to the flotilla, you'd, you would not understand the significance of that because people just don't get to go to the flotilla. That's a pretty like, exclusive joint. And when you go there, people are kind of wary. Like, why is why is this human here? Why is this why is this other guy here? Holy shit! It's a Geth. Why is he here? That's actually the funniest. Uh, yeah, oh did yeah. Did you take him? I didn't do it the first time, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But I, it I is worth it. it. No, I didn't. I took. It's fame. amazing. You have to go back and take take Legion. It, it's worth it. Nice. It is worth yeah. taking Legion with you. In fact, if you were to hack your save game and give yourself party members at a time when it's impossible for the game to have the party members, there are actually recorded lines of dialogue for That's those amazing. characters in there. So, I mean, much like how um, there are recorded lines of dialogue for um, if you were to 
and, and it can't be done in the first Mass Effect. You can't have a male-male or female-female romance. But they recorded the dialogue for it, so it was originally going to be in there, and they, they took it out for whatever huh. reason. Um, in Mass Effect 2, there must have been some mechanic by which uh, they intended you to get certain party members sooner than you could actually get them, such that if you take them with you on certain missions, they have unique things to say that you can never hear any other way. Um, in the case of Mass Effect 2, though, for this one mission that the whole game is building up to, um, the first time I did it, I sort of screwed it up, uh, almost. Um, now, I'm going to say I screwed it up, because um, in every other mission in Mass Effect, regardless of what they say, um, there's no urgency to it. You can go and do the missions whenever right. you want. It's like, oh, there's a hostage situation, and they're about to execute this famous um, senator Yeah, I'll get to it in a few days. Eh, I'll get to it. Yeah. You know, oh, this or the ship is crashing. That one where the, the ship is uh, ships crash crashing. landing into like, a planet. Got to get here quick. Oh, yeah. the timer doesn't start till you get there. Uh, in Mass Effect 2, it's the same way for every mission except for one. And the game, they kind of say, oh, once you do this, you, you really should do whatever. But you're like, you know, you've played through yeah. 100 hours of game to the point where it's like, eh, whatever. You guys say that all the time. Except once you get to the end game, it's like, oh, I took too long to do this, and now there's a, a consequence for it. I, I kind of... A pretty big consequence. Yeah, it's a major consequence. Right, and I was like, like, I didn't like it. And I actually went, and I said, okay, this isn't how I want to play the game. When I play through the game, I'm going to um, choose an option that I otherwise wouldn't take just to see what the options are. But now I'm going to go back and fix it. My option to fix it, because I didn't know, meant I had to go back 20 hours Jesus. to a much, much earlier oh. save. And, and I did it, but like, um, yeah, I kind of wish that they're, they had done something. I don't know what they could have done to convince me that, you know what, we're actually right. serious this time, blunt. that this is going to have some sort of negative consequence if you dilly-dally Wait, and I don't take think too I know long. what you're talking about. And, okay, uh, uh, I'll spoil it. You just got to be explicit about it. Yeah, just All say right. It. Um, once you do the Reaper IFF yeah. mission and you actually recruit Legion, um, you don't have very much time to do anything else. You have enough time to do Legion's loyalty mission and maybe oh, one other thing. So I think you yeah, can do Legion, gets kidnapped, right? Legion's loyalty and Tali's. Once, they, once the collectors take yeah, your crew, okay, I know now. you have you to, to go, go and do the suicide like, yeah. mission yeah. within about a mission or two. Otherwise, you'll have taken too long and your entire crew, except for the doctor, dies if you don't do it immediately. Yeah. So you Which, have to do... I think the solution... The solution would have been to to just keep that level of consequence going throughout, throughout the, the entire game. game. Yeah, like say, oh, you didn't have time to do this mission, and the senator but, got killed. Oh, you didn't get. That, to, but the thing is, is like then it becomes fucking Dead Rising. Well, that's a good point. You I was going to say that is Mass Effect 2's biggest failing is that the suicide mission is this this it's the crux of the story. It is the entire. It's what the story is built around. And you're saying like, okay, we have to go into this thing, take out the Reapers, or bad shit's going to happen. But at the same time, you have all the time in the world to get there. I almost feel like they should have put a timer on it, like a lengthy one, obviously, but one that where there is an incentive to go sooner rather than wait it out. Like maybe if you wait too long, it's more difficult or bad shit happens. I don't know. But I feel like they really missed it by saying, here's this important mission that you don't really have to do until, you know, when you're ready. Well, here's the thing, though. If you rush into it, it's actually a bad consequence because... Um, whether or not, like, and, you know, I'll tell you this now that you're listening to this, but whether or not your characters survive is dependent on two things. One of them is if you did their loyalty mission and if they're loyal to you. And, uh, the other is based on what choices you make during the suicide mission. But the main thing that determines whether or not your NPC party, they're not NPCs, but I mean, you know, your party lives or dies is if you went to the trouble to do their loyalty mission. So if you actually had a time limit on doing that last mission, you would probably say, eh, you know what? Nah, I'll yeah, help them like, out well, later. You would get in a situation where it's like, well, you know what? I'm sorry, Miranda, we just don't have time to do your mission. Because, you know, suicide mission. We gotta go. And then you would lose her. In the Miranda, interestingly enough, is one of the only characters who, uh, she can't die at all during the suicide mission until the very end of it. If She gets uh, crushed. She's not yeah, what she did for me, which I was pretty happy about. Yeah, if she's in your party. But yeah, I mean, um, nobody died the first time I played it at all. I didn't even realize, like, oh. No, I got three deaths. But yeah, like, the, the deaths can be, they're actually, there's a randomness to them. Um, yeah, if you, which is cool. If you pick the wrong person for the wrong job, 
um, someone might die. If you take the wrong person with you, it's random. Like one or two people could die. I didn't know this until after I beat the game because I was like, oh, okay. Good, I think that you like you, you shouldn't know that beforehand because then you're playing the meta game. Right. You know, I, I, I'm glad that's, you know, the part of the things where it's like, okay, I don't want to know anything uh, about this game at all. Um, such that like it was a big surprise for me that, um, you know, Garrus was even in the game, you know. Like, when they see, like, oh, recruit this guy, Archangel, and then, like, everyone's talking, like, he's holding off an army by himself, this guy's crazy, it's like, he's got his own sense of justice, and then, like, eventually one of them name jocks, that crazy Turian, and I'm just like, please let it be Garrus, and then it's like, you know, you see, like, you know, when the mission yeah. goes in, it's like, oh, it's there a guy are, in crazy blue armor, like and it's like, oh, so glad, or it's right. like, he takes off the helmet, and it's him, and it's like, yes, like, I wouldn't have been feeling this had I not played the first Mass Effect, and right, then known to expect, right. like, okay. At the beginning of Mass Effect 2, like, okay, here's Garrus. He was in your party. He was a cool guy. Cool guy. You find him, and it's it's kind of your first interaction with him, so it's not a big deal. You're just like, oh, this is Garrus. Okay. Carrying on. Right, and there is even a built-in option if you carried over your character and never recruited Garrus at all. There's a separate dialogue for wow, that. Oh man, I never even It's just a little that. truncated. Yeah. Wait, what? You cannot recruit Garrus? You, you don't can tell have him to, take to a recruit walk. Garrus or yeah, Rex. because you... Yeah, you don't have to recruit yeah, you Rex, can just miss Rex by wow. the altogether. Or when he comes by and he says, Fist is mine, yeah. you can just say, wow. fuck you, he's mine. Peace. No way, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's those are options that, you know, give tons of replayability to Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2 is not just the options within each specific game, but how your options carry over. And it's definitely neat. I mean, um... For me, Rex, I had to have him because, like, once I had him in my party and he just suddenly executed Fist, it's like, oh, no one else would have done that had I not chosen <laughs> Rex in my party. <laughs> You're cool, dude. You're like HK-47 or whatever in KOTOR. I'll keep you around. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you hadn't killed all these various NPCs, a lot of them show up again in Mass Effect 2 uh, just for, like, little cameos, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, I like you mentioned that uh, you mentioned like, you know, Garrus being a, a surprise. I like that a lot of the party members weren't weren't just cut and dry, like, go get this person because it'd be like, go get Archangel. And it turns out Archangel's Garrus or go get Dr. O'Kear. And then it turns out you end up with Grunt instead of O'Kear. I didn't like I Jack, didn't know fact, it said go get the convict. Jack is a woman yeah, I didn't and they know. don't mention that. It said go get the convict. It's like the most powerful one. And then right. you, it opens up the cryogenic container and it's a, a lady who uh, thankfully isn't like a summer glow or anything <laughs> like that. But yeah, there was nothing to suggest that, okay, Jack is a girl or subject zero was female. Right. I mean, it's easily given and like, away. And like Legion, Legion's not on a dossier. There are things like that where it's like, where it keeps you guessing a little right. bit. Right. I was so like wondering like the sure whole time, every... like this right. one party slot is grayed out. Did I screw up in Mass Effect 1? And like, did I mess up recruiting? Mm. Should I have been able to get Ashley in my party when I asked her? That, that's what I was thinking, it? actually. When I when I was playing, I was like, is that supposed to be Ashley? Did I miss something? Yeah, I think I reloaded that level like six times, just trying the different dialogue. I was like, come on, this has to work. But no, you, you definitely can't recruit her. And then... um. There's the I haven't done this, but I've heard for uh, Samara you can like replace with her, daughter, her yes. with her daughter. You can, and and that's one of the crazier decisions that felt like completely yeah, out like, of nowhere. Why would you like, do okay, that? Why would you I ever can... select the daughter? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's two reasons I'll give okay. you. One, um, when you play as the female shepherd, the dynamics of it sort of feel a little different because, um, you know, it just seems like it can make a little more sense of like who you choose and who you don't um or for the metagamer perspective in mass effect 2 you get an ability where once people are loyal they get a new character ability and you can take one of these abilities for yourselves it turns out that morinth who's the daughter of samara has the best ability uh, in the game well, it's called dominate it? and what it is is it's basically ai hacking but what? for people that's fucking and incredible oh my God. it goes through it goes through anything. <laughs> it's like, okay, no way. Blue Sun's commander with your full shield, full armor, full barrier. I'm just going to AI hack you. And it works. That's awesome. And it's just, it is the most overpowered ability in the game. And so um, what you can do is you can uh, choose Morinth, get that ability, and then like reload a previous save. Give it to yourself. And give it to yourself while keeping Samara. And so now you have Dominate oh, wow. and Samara. Uh, and so... Um, that's basically the only real reason. But if you pick her, um, 
and you pursue a romance with her, you die. It's that's, it's that's great. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they, they, they build it up. It's like, oh, well, she's, you know what? She's You're like special. that ninja girl in Ninja Scroll. Right, it's like... It's like you she, have sex with her and you get poisoned. Her whole deal is that she's a mass murderer, a serial killer, and then she like talks you up in the romance. It's like, you know what? But you're different, Shepard. You know, you're able to resist my, my charm. You had the Prothean relic in you. You're, you're a superhuman. It's like, it's, it, it'll work this time. <laughs> no, you die. And she's like, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Reload. So uh, nice. it's neat that those options are there. Although, again, it's it's completely crazy. Like, okay, kill this person who's never done anything wrong to you and, and stick with the lady who just tried to kill you or, or not. You know, that's a, a weird Bioware morality uh, thing at play. But, you know, it's cool that it's there. Um, it's just an interesting thing to do like a second time around, I would think. All right, so we're uh, we're running kind of long, um, so I wanna I wanna finish up soon. Uh, do you guys have any any other things you want to mention or final thoughts or any of that? I think that Mass Effects and Mass Effect Two kind of embody like this new face of not just role playing games but just gaming in general. The desire to make things more action based, um, more free-flowing, I guess, as far as, like, you know, you can go and... so It's almost sandboxy in a way, because you can go and do things at your leisure and have things play out as it were. This is both a good thing and a bad thing. Like, for role-playing games, um, I can understand people having consternation about, like, having the combat be third-person shooter or first-person shooter, because it becomes more Twitch reflex-based. And um, I like, at least, that Bioware has always included the option to pause and issue commands. Because that's how I played through all of Mass Effect. I would pause and say, you do this, you do this, and then I'd, you know, maybe line up my shot a bit. And um, I would never use You actually can't do that in the console version, I don't think. No, you can't. In the first game. No, when you select, like, you open up your radio menu, it pauses the action. And then you can, like, aim at a geth and say, okay, Liara, you're going to do this to that geth. Oh yeah, yeah. You can tell them to do a power, but you can't direct. Oh them no, where no, no. You just kind of point oh. it somewhere and say, "Okay, you run over there." And then the AI is terrible, so they don't. In the second game, you can actually tell each party member, like you know, you go stand behind that yeah. cover, you go stand behind that cover, all while in that radial menu, which is really cool. Yeah, but I, I do think the um, the best parts of what make uh, RPGs good is um, decis- the character interactions, characterizations, the storyline, all that stuff is fantastic so because i'm capable of playing action games i don't mind it that said i can see like uh there's a lot of concern over dragon age 2 now that's the next bioware game that they're sort of scaling it back and making it more like mass effect and action based where you can't like fully create a character they're giving you a character that you can sort of tweak instead it's uh, a hybridization that i don't want to see become the norm but I'm glad that at least we've got something like this, especially for a sci-fi original property RPG like this. I'm kind of done with high fantasy and elves yep. and wizards and stuff. I like this setting and milieu a little better. So uh, I, I can't wait for Mass Effect 3 uh, to come out. It's going to be a while. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's a new DLC that isn't out yet for Mass Effect 2 uh, that's going to be pretty substantial that, again addresses stuff from the original Mass Effect that you that isn't even mentioned in Mass Effect 2, except for maybe a conversation or two. I didn't two. know this. This is news um, to me. Regarding... Okay. Um, <laughs> no, is no, this is news or... to me. This is, I'm, no, I'm just fascinated okay. and very excited. They are ab- that was a sarcasm. <laughs> They're about to release um, a new DLC called uh, Lair of the Shadow Broker, that's going to be all about, like, Liara, and you're going to finally track down, like, shit about the Shadow Broker. And see what's going on. And uh, it's going to be... That's going to be the shit. That's going to tie into that comic, too. The Redemption comic that came out. Right. Which was the interstitial between right. part one and part two. Which uh, had some pretty terrible artwork, <laughs> yeah. but I read it anyway. Um, but yeah, it's all about exploring that plot point. Cool. And in Mass Effect 2, the Shadow Broker was always kind of there. But it, it wasn't a central part of uh, the s- story at all. Like they just um, You know the Shadow Broker from the first Mass Effect. Just like how you kind of heard about Cerberus in the first Mass Effect. In Mass Effect 2, Cerberus is that whole game. In Mass Effect 2, you don't even hear about the Shadow Broker outside of conversation. So I'm glad they're going back to that. And hopefully it'll it'll tie into part three. Unless you find the Shadow Broker, I don't know. (laughs) Who knows what's going to (laughs) happen. 
But yeah, I really think um, one the only thing I'm concerned about Mass Effect 2's trend, other than the hybridization, is the DLC milking you for all it's worth. I think if you were to add mm. up the amount of points everything costs, it actually ends up being more than the cost of the game. Which, uh, you know, I'm a thief. I pirated all the DLC, and I'm not apologizing for it. Come oh, and get me, EA. Wow, all right. But yeah, I mean... Um, I, I would say it's worth it for me, at least for, like, the Kasumi's yes. Lost Memories Kasumi DLC. is if worth it, it. If it ties in somehow. It was okay. I mean, I didn't love it. I didn't like Kasumi. I mean, she's a cool character, but that DLC pack was just so insubstantial. It had a cool moment where it's like, okay, cool. This is the Statue of Liberty head in, a like, a stolen art room. And that was kind of it. After that, it was right. just kind of boring. I like the boss battle because she totally went ghost in the shell on it. And then I like Kasumi as a character. I like the gun that you yeah, get. She's, I like her. And as a party member, she is the most overpowered <laughs> party member you've got. Because she, her powers are so strong and murder everything. Maybe it's because I had finished the game and I had just like, I had only got it to play it. So I didn't ever use her. Yeah, that's what I did too. I just started my second game. And uh, I just got her, like, right at the beginning because I wanted to see how she plays out throughout. She's actually, like, you know, I like her as a character, but I just, I hope somehow that ties in. Maybe she shows up somewhere in the third because that makes that money I spent worth it because then it means that I didn't just get this one-time thing that, you know, maybe Kasumi shows up and there's something involving, you know, how I helped her in the third game. It would make it have a lot more weight to me. I can see that, but yeah, like, that one is definitely worth the money. Um, if you didn't buy the game new, you want to get the, the whole Cerberus pack with Zaid and all that, because that's totally worth Gotta the money. Gotta get Zaid. Um, yeah. <laughs> then, then you get the second tier ones, like uh, Overlord, which I thought was, you know, pretty decent. I really did know, not like the, the story that it was. I played that. Overlord. The missions were just so no, boring. The Firewalker is, is pretty yeah. tedious. It, lots it was, of yeah. uh, driving the vehicle around, collecting stuff. The and vehicle then, controls were okay, but it was pretty boring. There was nothing to do. And then uh, a lot of the weapons packs are kind of whatever, but the latest one they released, the firepower pack, <laughs> completely breaks the game. All of them are pretty much, you know, the best weapons of their class. Like the, the Geth shotgun, if you haven't used this thing, it is a weapon you charge up, it fires three shots, <laughs> and it heat seeks. And so... <laughs> it makes Jack like a good character. Like, you know, wow, like, you know, it still makes Grunt an even better character, but I mean, you know, the Claymore wasn't enough. Now you've got like this super duper gun of doom. You get uh the Matok assault rifle, which um is basically has the power of a sniper rifle, but it's an assault rifle. And you can fire it like, you know, it, it sort of fires slowly, but if you fan the trigger, it fires like super fast. You give that to Garrison Zaid. And you go out there, and nothing stands a chance. It's brutally overpowered. And you get a pistol with a laser scope on it if, you know, you want it to aim headshots, <laughs> you know, even better. Yeah. It's, like, even more powerful than the hand cannon. So it's crazy. Like, it doesn't even attempt to balance. It's just, like, you get these, and you win the game with them. <laughs> so those mm. that might be worth it. But, yeah, I would say the DLC model. Um, Zaid and Kasumi were built into the game from the start, pretty much. Mm. At least... Um, the flags and stuff were there because I remember if you go on YouTube, you can see um, there are some things that people were able to exploit glitches and see Kasumi uh, before she'd even officially been released. So maybe it was in development and not done yet and they put it out there. Zaid was just straight up, you know, we want to prevent people from buying games used. So we're going to have this flag be unlocked and have it a free DLC. I, I kind of, um, I don't know how I feel about that, you know? Yeah, DLC on the disc that's done and ready, but what would previously have been an unlockable or a secret is now something they potentially charge you money for. It sucks. But, you know, hopefully um, this game is going to do well. I mean, it sold millions of copies. So I think uh, Mass Effect 3 is a given, but uh, they haven't announced it yet. Well, they, they, they mention it in one of the loading screens in Mass Effect 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, final question I got for you guys. What's your favorite class to play? I played Infiltrator straight through. Infiltrator. As did I. No, man, I love that sniper rifle to death. I'm playing an Adept right now, but I don't like it as much as Infiltrator. Oh, yeah. Here's um, what I keep hearing about that I hear is a ton of fun that I didn't even consider. Vanguard is apparently a ton of fun. Is that biotic combat? Yeah, it's, it's biotic combat, and you have this thing called like the biotic rush or charge where you just... Oh, yeah, zoom into good. people. This is apparently like incredibly fun, um, particularly in part two, 
And so um, that might be worth looking into. Um, you can fortunately import your character from Mass Effect 1 and change your class, no problem. So try that out. I mean, I know people who've been playing this game tons of times. Um, I actually don't know anyone who played through a soldier, even though, well, I do know one person, but like. Or mm. Sentinel, because it was fucking impossible. Yeah. I hear Sentinel's like the best class for two, though. I don't know, like, but, but again, uh, I heard that I from a couple. I heard from a couple people that the power is like, it's like a shield or some sort of barrier that when it gets knocked down, it like stuns all enemies nearby or something, and it's like the best, uh, best one of those special class powers that you can get. I don't know. I haven't played it, but that's yeah. right here. I think Dave and Joel mentioned it. One of my friends told me the same thing. In the first Mass Effect, there's less incentive to go through and play as other classes because the combat is kind of crappy, whereas for Mass Effect Two. Mm. You know, it can definitely change up the dynamics of it. For me, Infiltrator just made everything so easy because it's like cloak, and now you kill everything in one shot. It's like, uh, I'm not scared of you, Harbinger. Uh, boom, one shot to the head. Yep. I got to tell you, go, Adept man. on hardcore difficulty is very hard because uh, as an Adept, I'm, I'm pure biotic, so I can only do stuff pretty much to health, except for warp is the only thing that works against things that aren't health. So on hardcore, like everybody's got armor and shields. I, I, I can also hit biotic barriers, actually. But uh, when there's like a shield, I, I just have to like spam overload and stuff because I can't do any of my pull or push or shockwave or, or any of that stuff. So it's like, it, you know, it's not really, I don't think it's a very good class. I've heard it's actually one of the hardest ones to play for, for two. It's probably better on lower difficulties, though, where I can actually like throw people around like you're supposed to. So Mitch, any final thoughts from you? Uh, I think for all of Mass Effect's faults as a franchise, like even the stuff we said, well, you know, sometimes it doesn't do X, Y, and Z correctly, I still think that it's a step in the right direction. It is kind of propelling mm. both the action game and the like the action RPG forward. And I think I'm really excited to see like what comes from that, like what other developers do with it. Yeah, I actually think that um, the action RPG model espoused by Mass Effect 2, I like it a great deal more than the action RPG model espoused by Square Enix at this point. Um, Absolutely. I think, uh, I think <laughs> the problem is that they're having on the Japanese side is they're still very tied into the linearity, and they're making things, and once you do the action RPG element of it and take away the freedom that was like their other systems... There's not a whole lot of game left. Uh, Final Fantasy 13 is kind of the torchbearer of that at the moment. I think a lot of people agree, um, but you know, we'll see how Final Fantasy 14 turns out. Um, Even the romance, which is embarrassingly bad in Mass Effect, is still better than anything else I can think of in a game. Yeah, I mean that's not like you know necessarily a ringing endorsement, but yeah, it's at least it's a try. <laughs> In, yeah, in I mean, it, it's trying to develop actual relationships between characters, and where it still fails, it still does it better than Fable, where it's like, hey, this person likes it when I fart, now we're married. Yeah. You can't control the <laughs> Everybody dog, Everybody wants Mitchie. to marry me in Fable. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, for my final thoughts, uh, I'd say the biggest thing for me when I play uh, Mass Effect is, it's it's just all about, like, the connections between me and my shepherd, you know, the way I roleplay the character between my shepherd and other characters. And uh, for, th for three, I just want to see a lot more of that. Uh, I really want, I want to see more, like, uh, interactions between members of the team, which you get occasionally. And when they do come up, they're, they're pretty good. Like when the team argues, sometimes your team will have a conversation when you're on a mission. Like they'll have a quick exchange or something. You might want uh, to kill your entire team I, then, because that might open the door for, like, 15 new characters for you to recruit. Because <laughs> if everybody dies at the end of Mass Effect 2, you can't use any of them in Mass Effect 3. Well, I, I'm not saying I I'm necessarily... I'm kind of wondering how many of them will even be potential choices for Mass Effect 3, if they could be all right. dead. Yeah. I mean, you might just get all new choices, and then some of them might be dead, and some of them might just be around and not selectable. But if I can't have Garrus yeah, in I, Mass Effect 3, you know, yeah. unacceptable. They're going to keep Garrus. Yep. That's not, that's not happening. They're not going to, like, uh, unless he dies or something, he's not going to, like, be hanging out and not be on Shepard's team. Because, like, he's in love with Shepard, even if Shepard's a Yeah, dude. it's the ultimate bromance. Uh, it, it is the ultimate right. bromance. 
so yeah, I, I want to see a lot more of, of team members talking to each other and things like that because I, I really think Mass Effect is best at uh, at creating those connections. And I, I really felt by the end of Mass Effect 2 that like when Thane died for me, which was uh, pretty pretty sad, like I, I felt when characters died, I, I um, for most of them, I had like an actual connection. Zaid died on my team. I was like, wow. I liked Zaid, you know. I I felt like I I spent a lot of time listening to his. his I would his pay DLC just for stories, more stories. To Grandpa's war stories. Like this reminds yeah, exactly. me of the time I went out for ice cream with my kids, and I was the only survivor. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, a, more more of that in Mass Yeah, effect. there was a company way back in the day called Origin Systems, and their slogan was "We Create Worlds," and they made stuff like Wing Commander and that sort of thing. And I just got um, completely wrapped up in, like, the setting of these games such that when they carried over, I felt like, you know, something more for these protagonists and even, like, the people who would die from previous games. It's like I felt bad. And Mass Effect is kind of like the first game since, like, that era that seems to have really done that for me as well. Like, I really am legitimately um, wrapped up in the setting and in the scenario and the characters like you said they've done a really good job of that that i wish was more common in gaming i mean it's not like i feel the same way about like you know gears of war i mean were you supposed yeah, to care i can't think of many games so deep so sad exactly <laughs> I, mass effect is is gotta be one of the only games i can think of right now that has ever really pulled me in like that where i i really felt like i would be sad if a character died you know not like i would like cry myself to sleep or anything but it's more just you know you feel something it's like it's very cinematic that's the buzzword they throw around but it really is a very much like a science fiction action movie in a lot of places and a lot of senses like that without being like you know brainless yeah so uh i think we pretty much told you uh in a nutshell listener that uh, you should play mass effect one and two it's really, really i think we really told them that they already played mass effect and they better yeah, not have listened yeah yeah if you <laughs> if you've already played it which you probably have play it again um and uh tell your friends to play it that's a big one so that's uh that's about it you guys want to promote your respective things before we get out of here sure thing um once again, I'm Daryl Surratt. I write for Otaku USA Magazine over at www.otakuusamagazine.com, and it's available in bookstores everywhere. I also do the Anime World Order podcast at www.animeworldorder.com, where we talk about Japanese cartoons and stuff. Um, all of us are gamers. We just uh, really have to do that discipline and be like, okay, we're going to talk about anime. But what it means is that when you get caught up in Mass Effect, you kind of don't release a new episode for a month. Because, like, I was playing Mass Effect, <laughs> and I was playing Mass Effect 2, and now I want to go and play more Mass Effect, like, again. But I can't, because i got to do anime yeah. stuff. All right, so, Mitch, how about you? What are you doing? Um, man, I'm trying to think of something interesting to say. There's not a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing things for <laughs> bitmob.com now. That's a thing. You can go there and read my stuff. Tuesday, Thursdays. Uh, yep. <laughs> the end. Wait, no, I have a podcast. I forgot about that. Hey, I have oh, a podcast, Oh, yeah, you too. do, and we've, yeah, we always forget to mention that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've done this like 14 times on different podcasts now. I have a stupid podcast. If you want to listen to me and my friends talk about stupid shit like um, zombies and transformers and baby mustaches, robot mustaches, babies, other stupid shit, you, you can find that on the <laughs> iTunes. That podcast is called End of Line, or you can go to Downright Fierce, write as in with a pen, and we've got crap all over there for that podcast. And you have to, I think we mentioned this last time that I need to be a guest on that podcast sometimes. Indeed, I keep toying with the idea of doing an, like, some kind of anime episode just to break it up, but we'll see how that goes. So we all have Twitter. I am V A M P T V O, Vamptvo. Uh, Daryl is Daryl Surratt. D A R Y L S U R A T. There you go. And Mitchie is, is Mitchie D. I'm not going to uh, spell and, that. Right. <laughs> and for, uh, for Annie Gamers, uh, it's just A-N-I Gamers, no hyphen, uh, and that'll have, like, links to our site, which, by the way, we have a site that has, like, articles in text. That is www.anniegamers.com. We do reviews and sometimes news and things like that uh, about anime, manga, and video games. Trying to do more of the video game side of things lately. Uh, so if you want to hear more of this podcast, 
you can check us out at podcast.anygamers.com and that'll have uh, links to previous episodes and our uh, RSS feed, show notes, comments. Uh, if you have a comment that you don't want to put in in a comment thread on a blog post, you can uh, send it to us at podcast.anygamers.com. And uh, that's, that's about it. So thank you guys for, uh, for coming on the show. I think we had a good time here. Indeed. High no five. problem. Right. Good job, Goodbye. everybody. Internet high five. Go to you.